Are you wandering in the wilderness? Or are you a voice in the wilderness? Welcome to the Revival Cry podcast. This is your host, Eric Miller. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The goal of this podcast is to encourage you to use the voice God has given you to make Jesus famous. Every week, we will share principles from the Word of God, interviews, and encouragement in order to strengthen your voice. Thank you for joining me today. And now here is today's podcast. Welcome, everyone, to Revival Cry this week. This is your host, Eric Miller. We're so thankful that you're listening or watching, whether you're on Mango Radio or listening through the podcast or even watching our YouTube channel, all called Revival Cry. So grateful that you're here with us today. Praise the Lord. You know, I have some things in my heart that I want to share with you because I really sense the Lord lately has been stirring our hearts for evangelism in such a fresh way. And you might be thinking, you know, what is that crown that's on the desk here for those who are watching by YouTube. If you can't see, I have a crown on my desk. And this crown was given to me by a brother named Charlie. And Charlie was an assistant to Steve Hill, who was the evangelist during the Pensacola, the Brownsville revival that went on from 1995 until the year 2000. And one of the messages that Steve preached was called You Can't Have It. And he got this message from a scripture verse in Revelation 3.11. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast to what you have that no one may take your crown or that nobody might steal your crown. And Steve went on to say in his message that this crown represents his life and his obedience, his intimacy with God, his secret living before God, so that when nobody else saw Steve, he had to surrender his will and his life to the Lord. And he said one day, Jesus is going to place this crown upon my head, and all of us who are born again, all of us who are born from above, people that have surrendered their life to Jesus and have chosen to live for him and and he's changed our hearts that as we live for him in this earth and one day Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 9 that it is appointed for a man once die and after this a judgment we'll all stand before God one day and those who are the sheep that have accepted him will be on his right hand and those who are the goats who denied the Lord and said, I don't believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that he's he's not God. I don't believe I need a savior. I can live this life on my own. They're going to be on the left-hand side of God. And we know that the goats will be judged and cast into utter darkness for eternity. And then we know the sheep, each one, one by one, will come before the Lord and will kneel before Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord, and he will have a crown to place on our heads. And this crown will represent 
all the love and affection and obedience that we had towards the Lord. But Steve again in his message said, when the Lord goes to place that crown upon his head, he's going to say, Jesus, this isn't for me. It's for you. Because you did something for me that nobody else could have ever have done. And so, friend, I want to encourage you today that there is a crown that God has to place upon your head. Maybe you're listening to me and you're saying, Eric, I don't even know what it means to be saved. I don't, I've never surrendered my life to Jesus. Sometimes I've gone to church, but I really don't know what it means to be saved, to be born again. I hear all these words being thrown around. And I, we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But the amazing thing was to me that when I heard this message by Steve Hill was that this man lived a devoted life to Jesus when nobody else was looking. And God used him mightily to impact myself, my wife, and many other friends and people that we know around the world that even though Steve has gone to be with the Lord and has already received his crown in 2014, he is receiving a reward of not success in money, not in titles, not in accolades given by men, but God himself has given Steve that crown. And I know this, that when I encounter Jesus, that for me, I have to give Jesus my crown too. Whatever success, whatever things that I attain in this life, I am so grateful for what Jesus has done in my life. And I don't deserve what he's done, but yet he's so good. Listen, I'm just going to pause for a moment and I want to play a song that I believe will really speak to your heart today. It's called Jesus, Friend Forever. And then we'll come back on the other side with the message today. What a friend I have found Closer than a
what a powerful song. We used to sing that song during the Pensacola days, and ever since then, I'm still singing because Jesus really is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's a friend forever. And you might be listening to this message today thinking, man, Eric, my life is a mess. I'm a religious hypocrite. I'm addicted to pornography. My marriage is a mess. My kids are wayward. And, you know, things are falling apart in my life, my family, my business. I don't know what's going on in your life today, friend, but I want you to know that Jesus will be your friend, that Jesus cares about you. And see, we don't really know that the Lord cares about us until we encounter him. Because a lot of us, we're religious, we're serving God, uh, maybe by going to church, maybe we're doing good things and giving money, and we're trying to live a basic good life. But you know, our goodness will never erase our sinfulness. And if you look at the encounter that even Nicodemus had with Jesus in John chapter 3, that's where we're going to go today. It says in verse 1 that there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So Nicodemus was a Pharisee. This means he was a religious leader and he was a ruler. He had authority amongst the Jewish people. And Jesus was already stirring up the crowds by working miracles, proclaiming to be God. He wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just a teacher. He declared himself as to be equal with God, what we refer to as the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But Jesus came as fully man and fully God on this earth to reveal to us God because man sinned, Adam and Eve sinned from the beginning of creation. They disobeyed God's commandment which caused them to sin against God and be separated from God for eternity. But God had a plan of redemption and because he loves mankind so much, he gave, we know the most famous probably scripture verse in all of scripture, John 3, 16, we'll get there in a moment, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Listen, my friend, even Nicodemus, a Pharisee, which means that he understood the five books of Moses, which we call the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He had that memorized. I mean, he grew up his whole life being trained to become a Pharisee, a religious leader. And so even though this man had all this training and education and was a ruler, had authority, when he heard about Jesus, Something sparked on the inside of him, and Jesus was popular with the poor, with the needy people that were receiving healing and breakthroughs and stuff, but oftentimes the rich, the religious, the ones who think they've got it all together, they were resistant, and they were questioning his authority. And many times they would say, by whose authority do you speak these things? And Jesus would answer them and, 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 and they wouldn't accept what he had to say. 
But here's Nicodemus who comes to him. And in verse 2, it says, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So here's Nicodemus coming to Jesus at night. Why at night? Because he was probably afraid of coming to Jesus during the day and being seen with him by other religious people who didn't think that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah. He wasn't who he proclaimed to be as God. And But Nicodemus has this conviction in his heart, and, and that's often what God does with us before we come to him, is he stirs our hearts to bring us to a place of repentance, but he's not going to repent for us. We have to repent on our own. So there's a stirring taking place in Nicodemus. He come to Jesus by night. He's living in darkness, right? Sin leads to death, and, and we are called to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. That's who Jesus was. And when we're born again, we become the salt and light of the earth. We don't replace Jesus, but we become his disciples. And we tell the world about the gospel, the good news that Jesus came, died on a cross for our sin, shed his blood so that he took our place, so that we would not receive the judgment that we deserve, that we could be forgiven in his name. And when we die, we can be holy, we can be pure, we can be righteous when we stand before God the Father one day. But Nicodemus, even though he knows the scripture, even though he knows the words of the prophets and has authority, he's coming to Jesus at night because he's, his life is full of darkness. He has not been born again. And he's, he even calls Jesus rabbi, which is an affectionate term uh, for teacher. Like, I'm coming to you and I want to learn of you. Listen, my friend, if you want to know Jesus not just know about Jesus, but you want to know him, you have to come to him and understand that there's conviction in your heart. And no matter what type of sin you're living in, what type of darkness you're living in, you got to recognize that God's trying to draw you to himself. And so there might be this prick of conviction in your conscience saying, just surrender. Just give your life over to me. That's what's happening with Nicodemus. He says, Obviously, Lord, nobody can do these signs that you've done. You're healing the sick. You're casting out devils. You're raising the dead. But nobody can do these things. Verse 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Jesus just said something to Nicodemus that is like an arrow in his heart. And he recognizes that he doesn't understand what Jesus said, but Jesus is trying to give him revelation so that Nicodemus could engage his will and ask more questions. See, when we come to Jesus and, and when if you're a Christian and you're evangelizing people who don't know the Lord, don't just pray a prayer with them and tell them that they're born again. You got to lead them to a place of seeing their need for God. You got to plant and water seeds and let God help them to grow. Let them tell you that they're born again, that they've been changed. I'm going to explain what being born again means. It's not just a religious group to join. It's, it's not just, you know, those are the born again people. No, this is an actual 
thing that takes place in our lives when we surrender our heart to God and we see our need that Jesus is the only way, truth, and the life, and, and that if I need forgiveness of my sin, if I need healing in my body, I have to go through him. So he says, you got to be born again or else you cannot see the kingdom. You cannot go to heaven through any other name except the name of Jesus. You can't go through Muhammad's name. You can't go through Buddha's name. You can't go through some political figure's name or some, uh, you know, celebrity's name. You can't give money to God. What are you going to give to God that he doesn't already own? The fact is, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father but through me. So we have to surrender. That's what Jesus is telling Nicodemus. In verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again? When he is old, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? See, he's relating it to physical birth, but he doesn't understand that Jesus is talking about spiritual birth. Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus is saying, water... When a woman gives birth to a child physically, what's the first thing that happens? Their water breaks. And so the child is, you know, comes through water. And then spirit is when we're born again, spiritually born through the blood of Christ. Because we have sin. And without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. So this is why Jesus shed his blood on a cross for you and me. And Jesus never sinned. He was born of a virgin. He never inherited the, the uh, you know, Adamic Adam's nature of sin and death. And so he came in the body of a man and he was fully man and fully God. And when he died on the cross, he did that willingly to take your place in mind. Friend, if you're listening to me today and you're thinking, oh my goodness. How could somebody give their life for me? I want you to know Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you so much that he gave his heart, his body, his soul. He gave everything for you so that you could be redeemed, forgiven of sin. That all you have to do is put your faith in him. Repent. Turn away from sin and say, I need you, Lord, in my life. And he promises to come and give you spiritual rebirth. That's what it means to be born again. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I've said to you, you must be born again. Said it again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from, where it goes. So is everybody born of the spirit. So in other words, there's no man, there's no pastor, there's no priest there's no authority on this earth that can make you be born again, that can give you a spiritual rebirth. I don't care how much money you give to the church. I don't care how many good deeds you do. I don't care if that person proclaims themselves to be God. My friend, we are all born in the sin and we all need a savior. And the only one who can forgiveness, give us forgiveness is Jesus Christ. And he's saying, look, 
You don't know how to be born again, but I know how to help you be born again. You don't know where the wind comes, but the wind, the ruah, the breath of God will come into your nostrils again. And it will fill you and cleanse you and and restore you to right relationship with God. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him and said, look, you're in. You're a teacher of Israel, and you do not understand these things? See, Jesus is not just giving him the answer, or he is giving him the answer, but he's trying to get Nicodemus to engage him in his faith. And so he's challenging his authority by saying, you don't understand these things? Because all in God's word is pointing towards me, but you don't you're you're afraid of saying that you know I am the Messiah right now even though that conviction is causing your heart to beat a little bit harder than it has ever before most assuredly I say to you we speak of what we know and testify what we've seen and you do not receive our witness if I have told you earthly things you do not believe how will you believe if I give you heavenly things in other words you're not going to understand what's going on in heaven unless you're born again. Because nobody can go to heaven with sin. You will die in the presence of God. Why? Because he's holy, my friend. That's why we cannot hold on to our sin. And what is sin? Sin is breaking the commandments of God. Sin is anything that Jesus wouldn't do. And so if you and I think that God's just going to accept us according to his goodness into heaven, friend, He paid a horrible price by shedding his blood for you and me so that we could be forgiven. So, yes, it is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance, but it is your responsibility and my responsibility to repent, to turn away from our own sin, not only to confess our sin, but to repent, to turn away and put our faith in Jesus and say, I need your empowerment. I need your spirit in my life to strengthen me, to live a life of purity, of integrity and holiness. No one has ascended to heaven, verse 13, but he who came down from heaven, that is the son of man who is in heaven, that Jesus is saying, I've been there from the beginning and now I'm here, right? In John chapter one, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. He came as God, lived as a man, and yet didn't ever throw aside his authority as God, but he did not allow himself to just be functioning as God on this earth. He wanted to function as a man to show us that by living holy, we can be empowered to do the things that he's done and even greater. No, we're never going to do what all of what Jesus did because we all have a flesh that we're crucifying in Christ. So after we're born again, it's still a process of walking with the Lord, renewing our minds and learning how to give ourselves over to him time and time again. But the great thing about walking with Jesus is that he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So even though you mess up after you're born again, my friend, you can receive forgiveness and still walk in holiness and not have to be born again, 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 again. You you just need to be born again. You just need to surrender your will to God. 
and then live a lifestyle of repentance, saying to the Lord, I'm devoted to you. You're so wonderful. You've been so good to me. I want more of you. Let's let's finish up here today. Verse 14, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And now verse 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus was referring to a time in the Old Testament, Numbers 21, where Moses where there were snakes and God, there was judgment against the people of Israel because they were disobeying him. And they were poisonous and they were going to bite the people and, and they would die. But Moses put this bronze snake on a, on a stand and he held it up and he said, look at this snake and, and he held it up. And then when the snakes around them were trying to bite them, if they looked at the snake that the bronze snake Moses made, then they wouldn't be bitten and they would be okay. Jesus is saying, just like Moses lifted up the serpent, the snake in the wilderness, son of man must be lifted up. So I will be lifted up. I will be crucified. And if you look at what I have done for you on the cross, you can be born again. You can be free from the sting of sin. What does sin leads to, friend? It leads to death. It leads to hopelessness. It leads to depression. It leads to suicidal thoughts. It leads to pain and suffering that will destroy you if you don't humbly walk with the Lord. I want to encourage you today, my friend. That Jesus does love you. Jesus does have a plan for your life. But you and I must willingly surrender ourselves to him so that we can be born again and live a life of consistency and faithfulness before God. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Listen to this. Verse 18, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. No, it's not Kibaloi. It's not under uh, some other man or woman that proclaims to be God or equal with God. It's ridiculous. It's not the Pope. It's not Mary. It's not any great religious leader, my friend. It is only begotten Son of God, who is Jesus Christ. He came 2,000 years ago, gave his life for you and me so that we could live with him for eternity. And his promises are true, my friend. He absolutely loves you and me. He said, this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light and his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Friend, are you living in darkness today? Do you need a savior? Do you need to repent of sin? Do you need to humble yourself before God? You remember this crown that I talked about in the beginning? There is a crown that is God wants to give you when you die one day and everybody's going to die and stand before God one day. And you can receive a crown, a crown of righteousness, a crown of purity, not based on your good works 
or your church attendance or how much money you gave, but simply because you and I surrender our heart and our will to the Lord. Father, I pray for those listening and watching today that they would surrender themselves to you and know how much you love them, that they would truly be born again, not by the flesh, but by the Spirit. And Lord, that you would renew those who may have fallen away and have lived as a prodigal son and daughter. Lord, let them know that as they come to you today, they could be forgiven and restored. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you. We'll see you on our next episode. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Revival Cry with Eric Miller. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more or partner with our missions work around the world, please visit us at revivalcry.org. I look forward to being with you next week.